Hey listeners, before we begin, I've got some important news to share with you. Starting in 2022, the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast will be rebranded to Highland Gospel Mission. This change is simply to reflect our global outreach mission and reach a broader audience. We look forward to serving the community in the new year. Welcome back to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. If you're new here, feel free to listen to any one of our previous episodes. Our mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsborough, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. Can we get your Bibles open up to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 7? The gospel according to Matthew chapter 7. We'll see how far we get today, but uh, the world we live in today, the line between um, lost and saved are smudging. Uh, Now, part of that's because Christianity is being redefined in our culture, and being redefined meaning it's leaning more towards the fallen side of the human nature than any other time before. So it's not so much the the lost people that are acting saved as much as it is the saved people that act like they're lost. Okay? Um, A lot of misunderstanding um, comes into the picture when people start talking about judgment. Um, We are not supposed to judge people. In other words, it's above my pay grade, above everybody else's pay grade to determine whether somebody's going to heaven or hell. Because even if I said today, pointed at somebody whose life was obviously showing the fruits of someone who was lost, why would I tell them you're going to hell? Because I don't know whether in five or ten years from now somebody's going to share the gospel with them. They're going to. I don't know what God knows. I don't have the right to pick someone's final destination. That's judgment. Okay, uh, we'll get into this a little bit at the beginning of this. Um, but the world has become very judgmental. I mean, just based on, just based on the stereotypes. Uh, you walk into uh, a group of individuals who are atheists and you announce that you're a Christian, people are much more hateful today than they were when I was younger. And it's something that's increasingly getting worse and worse and worse. So the idea is this. The world is going to be the world around us, and God has called us to be people who influence the world on whatever level we may be able to on a day-to-day basis in our lives. That's what our job as Christians, uh, what our job as Christians uh, really is. Now, if we aren't individuals who protect ourselves and who follow the structure that the Bible gives us, then we find ourselves being sucked into the exact same thing that the rest of the world is dealing with. Because it's, did you ever meet a judgmental Christian? Anybody ever meet a judgmental Christian? There are no judgmental Christians, are there? (laughs) You know, just because you see somebody doing something wrong doesn't mean you have to say something. And, And I mean, to assume that someone's going to hell just because they did something wrong is to assume how many of us are going to hell? All of us. Okay? So when we walk into a situation, we have no idea what somebody's going through. Until we can have conversations with people and actually sit down and build a relationship with them, we really don't know what they're going through. But how quick are we to uh, ridicule somebody because of the way they acted at the stoplight or ridicule somebody because of the way they treated you in Walmart, especially this time of the year? We don't know what people are going through. 
It's, it's not our job to change people. That is not our job. Yep, I said it. I'll say it again. It is not our job to change people. It's our job to give people the information that God gave us so that he can change people. So, inspecting fruit, which is what we're going to get into in a little bit, inspecting fruit is not judgment. A fruit inspector is what God has called us to be. Not just, not so that we could go out and ridicule people for what it is that they're doing, but so we're protected by recognizing what it is that they're doing is wrong. There may be cases where the Lord will impress upon you and say, you need to go say something to that person. God did not call us to say something to every person that we see do something wrong. That is not what he's called us to do. We Can we all be very clear about something? How many of us in here are sinners? How many of us sinned yesterday? How many of us will sin today? How many of us will sin tomorrow? How many of us will sin for every day that we remain on this planet? Now here's the fact. Every one of you who've just admitted that you sin on a daily basis, you're still on a path of growth. Who am I? to be the person who walks up and says, this is what God has for you next. Who are we to walk up to people and say, this is what God has for you next? God's capable of telling people what he has for them next. And it's a matter of just listening. When we listen and hear what God has to tell us, using the structure that he gave us as a model, we have the ability to protect ourselves, our spouses, our families, our friendships, our church, above all. We have the ability to protect the church. Chapter 7, starting with verse 1 of the Gospel according to Matthew, says this. Do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Now I want you to think about this. Because what God's basically saying here is he's saying the level of judgment that you pass on to someone else is the same level of judgment that he's going to use to you. How many of you guys have ever seen uh, the individuals who loved pointing out the imperfections of other people but did not like the attention to be turned to them? That's human, right? None of us as human beings like having anybody be that way to us. As human beings... We are capable of the fallen nature of things. This is the introduction of the supernatural that is going to affect the fallen nature. So, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. Let me ask you something. Have you ever not forgiven anybody for something? What what does God say the penalty for that is? If you do not forgive your brother on earth, then I will not forgive you when you show up in heaven. Stiff penalty? Folks, the fact is this, and we're getting into this here. As Christians, we aren't called to be everybody else's conscience. We aren't called to be anybody else's conviction. We serve a God, not of destruction, but we serve a God of restoration. And thank him that we do. 
Because if I was being honest, the darkest corner of your closets that you are able to most hide those skeletons in, how far do we go in life to make sure that those stay hidden? We're capable of falling. We've all admitted that. We sin on a daily basis, and we serve a God who desires more than anything else to restore us beyond where we started. Restore us beyond where we started. If someone says, yeah, I was into Christianity, man, I was reading my Bible and praying, and then all of a sudden they don't go to church anymore, they don't read their Bible and they don't pray, that's backslidden. The word backslide comes from a lack of forward motion. And in our growth as Christians, we've been, called and we've been called to be individuals who move forward in our Christian growth. Because the truth is, folks, the things like we've been experiencing the last two years, these things are going to keep happening. Does anybody here really think COVID's going to go away? It's, it's here. Who knows what kind of form it may show up in the next, uh, in the next time it shows up. But I remembered that for months God had me preaching messages about don't be afraid, don't be anxious. Watch out, the world's coming for you. These things are real, folks. If we don't have the armor of God on, then we will be ragdolls to this fallen world. We'll be misled by people who lie to us. Uh, you won't be able to tell what, what the truth is. We're already there. Who knows what the truth is? It's all mixed in there somewhere, right? Everything we get about information about anywhere in the world. Can you trust it? You'll find out that if you trust, if you trust untrustworthy sources, that they will be the ones who control and manipulate. They will be. Human nature, we love power. We love to control people. We love to have power over other human beings. That's exactly what human, the fallen nature of human beings are. Be bigger than everyone else, richer than everyone else, prouder than everyone else. And that's what we call a successful lifestyle. But I think many times when we're interacting with people, we don't think about the fact that we're going to stand before a righteous God one day and give an account. In other words, the positions we hold, we have to be able to justify. Verse 3 says, And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In other words, folks, are you really so good that you think that you can influence other people, but there is no change or adjustments that need to be made in your own life? Because it's almost funny when I'm up here preaching, and I've seen it in Sunday school classes too, but mostly when I'm preaching, a preacher says something, either the wife or the husband elbows the other. And, and honestly, I, I want to just say, no, that wasn't for them. It wasn't for them. This was for you. This is for, for you. You guys know the people I'm talking about. The ones that like to run around and talk about everything everybody else has, has done, but really have no clue that they're running around just like everybody else is doing bad stuff too. 
I'll tell you what, you ever get yourself to the point that you don't need any more maintenance, that gives you permission to go remove the speck out of your brother's eye. It's not impossible. It doesn't say we're not supposed to. It just says make sure that your attention on you is put where it's supposed to be before you even begin to think about putting that attention on someone else. Because I don't know about you, I'm pretty high maintenance. If I don't pay attention to what it is that I'm doing and saying, I, I am high maintenance. I'm capable of saying things anybody can say. I'm capable of doing anything anybody can do. So what sets us apart? We can't do anything unless we're full of Jesus first. When we get ourselves full of Jesus, then what do we have to offer everyone else? Jesus. If we're full of ourselves, guess what we offer everyone else? It's a bargain. I'm worth more than that. If we become so numb as people that we really don't notice that we're really in the same boat as everybody else. Do me a favor. Little exercise. Haven't done it in a while. This is a simple one, okay? I want everybody to look to your right. And if there's somebody next to you, I want you to tell them that they're not perfect. And then after you look at them, I want that person on the other side to look to their left and say, you're not perfect. When God sees two individuals standing next to each other, one's a liar, one's a thief, which of the two is he harder on? Be careful how you answer that question. He's exactly the same to both of them. Here on earth, we have classifications of laws that are broken. We can give a, stick, a stricter judgment. But if there are two people that show up standing before God and one of them is a pathological liar and the other one is a murderer, they are both sinners and he will not treat either one of them any differently. Sinner's hell is sinner's hell. I used to tell people about Hades, Old Testament Sheol, New Testament Hades. It was the place of the dead, the place where when people died before Jesus rose from the grave, everybody went to, the place that, that Lazarus, who passed away and went to it, and there was a chasm fixed between the two, Abraham's bosom. That was, that was um, Hades. And people say, well, well, what's the difference between Hades and hell? And like, if it's 2,000 degrees, does it matter? You burn at seven or burn at five, what's the difference? Verse six says, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. You know what this means? You know what this says? It says not everybody's worthy of the gospel at the moment. It says that we take advantage of opportunities. We don't go out and create our opportunities. Matter of fact, when you go out on the street and you just start stopping people on the street to tell them about Jesus, that's not biblical. It's not biblical. 
Now, if you're walking down the street and somebody drops a bag and, and God says, go help that person to give you a chance to share the gospel with them, then you go share the gospel with them. Because do not throw your pearls before swine. What's our pearls? It's the gospel. Do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Everybody's not ready for the gospel. If you just throw around the gospel like it's some innate object and throwing it at everybody, then all you're, all you're really doing is, I mean, have you ever met those people who are just aggravating? Everybody that come across, they, they feel like they have to stop and turn them into a Christian? It's not what Christians are supposed to be doing. We don't judge people. We inspect fruit. He's going to get into that. If I, I'll get to it here in a little bit. We inspect fruit. But based on what it is that we see, we would be individuals who would listen to the Holy Spirit and then decide whether that person's someone that God wants us to interact with or not. Just because they're there doesn't mean God wants us to interact with them. Do you know how to tell whether you've got the right one? That you picked one that God was working on? They either get saved or they move a step closer to getting saved. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. The dogs back then was a Gentile. By definition, still the same as someone who's apart from God today. Because the Gentile was basically someone who was not one of God's people. Do not give what is holy to dogs. You remember what the woman said when, when uh, she asked about the, the crumbs on the table? He called her wise. He took advantage of the opportunities as the opportunities were presented to him, but he didn't always respond to people the way that you would think that a human being would or the way that you would think that God would. I know it's kind of a tough verse to swallow, but the fact is this. We don't cause conviction. <clears throat> We have information that God has the ability to use. And if, if, if God uses the information in an individual's life and they're feeling conviction, that's not judgment. <clears throat> that's sanctification. That's God saying, hey, this is something that you've not dealt with in your life that you need to deal with in your life. And I'm here to tell you, folks, why people fear a preacher more than they fear God is beyond me. But it's obvious that they do. preacher walks into a party man you see beer cans and joints and i mean people shoving things places try to keep up do they really think god's not sitting up there watching more worried about a preacher than they are about god verse 7 it says ask and it shall be given to you seek and you shall find knock and it shall be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and him who knocks it shall be open i want you to grasp these two verses very closely <clears throat> pay close attention to what these two verses are saying because it's very straightforward while at the same time it, it kind of debunks the mentality that I think that many Christians operate in, uh, in today. I'll ask you a serious question. Don't raise your hand. Don't answer this question out loud. I'm asking this question to you. When's the last time that you actually stopped and prayed? Not because it was bedtime and not because it was mealtime, but just because you needed to talk to the Lord. 
That's not to ask to answer that question, because for some people, I imagine the answer to that question would be pretty embarrassing. How do we expect to ever hear what God is saying to us, see what God is doing with us, if we are individuals who are not willing to talk to him? First step in any counseling that I do is communication. Communicate, don't invalidate. Communication is absolutely important when it comes to a relationship between a husband and wife, when it comes to a relationship between parents and children, and it is the key when it comes to the relationship between us and God. I can tell you, if you were willing to answer out loud, where your relationship is with Jesus, because if you've not talked to Jesus for a long time, he may just be an acquaintance. Is he as real as the person who sits next to you or in front of you? Do we consciously accept him as being as real as the person next to you or in front of you? Because if you have someone who's not only a friend, but someone who gave their life for you, and you still had the ability to be their friend, just how much of a friend would they be? Be okay to talk to them once a week? Once every two weeks? The habitual opportunity at mealtime or bedtime? I can't fix relationships, folks. I can't. I can show people how to fix relationships, but it's entirely up to the individual as to, as to how that affects their relationships. Do I think people could be happier? Absolutely. Do I think that people could be much more fulfilled in the life they're living? Absolutely. I was counseling a couple a couple years ago, and this this wife was just, she had had it fed up. In my office, just railing on her husband. One, I mean, just railing on him. And I asked her this question, and it embarrassed her. She turned sheet red, and, and I asked her this question. Out of all of the things that you've done to try to get your husband to do what you've asked him to or not to do what you've asked him to, how many times in all of this have you got on your knees, isolated yourself from the rest of the house and the world, and prayed for your husband? Can you guess the answer? She didn't. It really is this simple, folks. It really is this simple. I mean, this very few things in Christianity do you get guarantees in. God guarantees that if you give him money, he'll bless it. He'll bless it in your life. It talks about overflowing if an individual gives to God. It's a promise. Look at, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. These are God guarantees. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. 
Wives, you want your husbands to be more godly? Pray for it. And not just close your eyes, get down on your knees, and say some random, I mean, pray for it. I mean, in your conversation, the amount of passion that you hold needs to be isolated to your heart, knowing who it is that you're praying for, and God is going to move. He promised it. There is, it's not might or maybe shall. Nine says, or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him uh, for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. How many of you guys have ever heard anybody say the golden rule wasn't in the Bible? There it is. Treat other people like you want to be treated. For the most part, and this is true for the most part, if you're good to people, they're good back. If you're nice to people, they're nice back. You smile at people, they smile back. So if you're mean to people, what can we expect? And this makes perfect sense. I mean, I love to hear people say, I'm praying for God's will. Well, there's nothing wrong with praying for God's will, but most of the time, you know God's will is pretty ob obvious to see. I mean, it's the only way it really works, right? God doesn't go and you're seeking his will for something. He's hiding it. And when you get close, he moves it to another place. This isn't what God does. It's only beneficial to him in our relationship for what he's called us to if we're individuals who he gives the things to that we ask for. Now, if we're Christians, what are we going to ask for? We're going to ask for things like patience, faith, kindness, gentleness. We're going to ask for things. And what kind of a God would he be? If we said, Lord, I am out of patience, I need more patience. And he goes, nah, you've already used your quota this month. We don't serve a God who does that. He, he literally, I mean, if you want something that is going to help you along the path that he has you on, do you really think he's going to go, nah? So the conflict's not with him. The problem's not with him. He's consistent in all of his ways. The problem's with us, and the inconsistency is with us. Verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then... You will know them by their fruits. Fruit inspectors. 
He says you will know them by their fruits. And he says this in the context of beware of the sheep in wolf's clothing, or the wolf in sheep's clothing. Beware. How many of you guys have the little red flags that pop up in your brain when, when those occasional opportunities in life and this flag pops up as just like, no. These thoughts of doing something that you're not supposed to do, that's contrary to God's will. You know that God would not be okay with it. Christians fail. Don't take that out of context. The tree, we've, we've already settled that all of us are sinners, right? There is a difference between someone who struggles in their sin and someone who desires to sin. It's a big difference. When somebody just has the desire to go out and do whatever they want to, that's a bad tree. And a bad tree can't bear good fruit. In other words, you watch somebody's actions and you have the ability to be able to determine, not for judgment's sake, are they lost or saved? If they are saved, how far along are they in their relationship with Jesus? What are their struggles? Do you know, I don't have to walk up and ask you that. I don't have to walk up and ask you what you struggle with. And I doubt that I know them all, but the fact is, if you just pay attention, you'll see the things that people struggle with. Right? So us having the ability to be able to see the fruit that is bad is a protection for us. It makes us guarded when it comes to trusting the things that a source may say. It makes us guarded when it comes to us going into a particular place or us, in many cases, even sitting down in front of a computer we have to be those individuals who realize that we will do what we are. There is not one person in this sanctuary right now that does not need Jesus to fill the holes that are empty in every one of our lives. Your problem. Do you guys know anger is a sin? How many of you guys knew anger is a sin? Actually, the anger itself not sin, it's the act that the anger provokes that's the sin. The Bible says be angry and sin not, right? But how many people in here have ever been angry and not sinned? Let's be honest. Those two things do not go, they don't, don't go together well. The fact is, if you want to live the life that Jesus Christ intended for you to live, you must, one, be strong, two, be protected, three, be growing. You only get strong from the word of God. You only get protected from the word from the word of God. The lives that we live, the things that we the things that we do on a daily basis, they either have value or they have no value at all. Sometimes have worse than no value at all. They actually have a negative value. And it's beyond me that beyond me that we as individuals who have placed our trust in Jesus Christ, dusting off the relationship through our struggles and our difficulties. It's amazing to me that we don't struggle more. You know what I mean? Not because of the rules and not because it's going to make me look better in God's eyes. But what we've been called into, it's necessary for people to look at us through God's eyes. 
Because most of the examples the world has today are not Christian examples. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You say, wait a minute. These guys are prophesying in the name of Jesus. They are healing and casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, get away from me. For I never knew you. Because you see, it's not the person that's powerful. It's the name of Jesus that's powerful. The name of Jesus will cast out demons. That is not a character quality of the person who spoke the name. In other words, folks, there are people that are running around all over this world pretending to play church. That's what it is, pretending to play church. And I've seen this for my entire life in church, people pretending to play church. How many of you think that God called us as individuals to just sit in pews? How many people do you think in the world today goes to church on Sunday morning, sits in the pew, leaves feeling completely satisfied? And I'm not talking about doing things the church has planned. And I'm talking about on a Christian human level, the life that we live. Do we live a life that shows that we're Christians in the general public? Or when people find out that we are Christians after being exposed to them for a while, do they go, really? Because if they say really, that's pretty much a tell. It's a dead giveaway. I won't name his name because some of you probably might know him, but and I mentioned this. It's been quite a few years ago I mentioned this. Had uh, a coach in high school. And, uh, I mean, this guy was, I wouldn't consider him anything special as far as a teacher goes. When I trusted in Jesus at the age of 16, I mean, it was rough. I had dug myself into the world side of doing things deep enough that it was, it was rough. By the time I graduated, I found out that this one coach was a Christian. If you would have ever asked me if a man was a Christian while we were going to school, I would have told you there's no evidence whatsoever that he is. None. Because if you're a Christian... And someone who is high up in the church as this individual was, and you're watching other teenage Christians struggle in life and doing nothing to influence that, that's wrong. This world don't know how to love anymore. Doesn't know how. It doesn't know how to walk away from a conversation. This world doesn't know how to treat people decently anymore. Doesn't matter who you are. As this world continues to get darker and darker and darker, 
what's eventually going to be the one thing that stands out? The light. The light that every one of us have been called to be a bearer of. If Satan can distract Christians from the relationship and the life that they're in, and there are plenty of distractions out there today, then he effectively squashes the effectiveness of the church. Because this church isn't a preacher. This church isn't deacons or music. or The church is supposed to be here to seek and save the lost. And here's a good test for it. Can you walk up to somebody that you know well that you see on a daily basis? Share the gospel with them and have them be understanding that you did that. Or these people that you see on a regular basis, if you tell them that you're a Christian, would they be able to say, well, that's pretty obvious. The Bible gives us so many warnings about becoming individuals who just go through the motions. Book of Revelation, one of the letters of the seven churches where Jesus said, I would that you were hot or cold. In other words, Jesus said, I would rather somebody be lost as a ball in high weeds as to be lukewarm. And the Bible's consistent about this. It just gave us another one in this passage of Scripture. What size is the path at many walk? Huge. What size is the path that few walk? Narrow. see if I can get through these verses in about five minutes. 24, therefore, everyone <clears throat> everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, <clears throat> the floods came, the winds blew, and burst against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had, not <clears throat> for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and burst against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Just a question. What foundation are you building your life on? Because when it's all said and done, there's only one foundation going to be left standing. And the Bible repeats several times for us, what that foundation is. Christ. Everything should be built upon Christ. Our relationships should be built upon Christ. Our family should be built upon Christ. Our household should be built upon Christ. Everything that we do should be built upon Christ. 
We should be being called holy rollers, Bible thumpers, Jesus freaks. These are things people should be saying because it's obvious when they see us that that's what we are. And here's the thing with this last passage of Scripture. Every one of us can relate to this because every one of us at some point in our life has been there. Have you ever built anything in your life on sand? And we're going to say sand is anything but Jesus. How, how did that work out for you? If somebody walked up to you and said, I need you to build a $100,000 house, two of them, one right next to the other, this one over here I want on a foundation, this one over here I want just on the ground. Which of the two would you prefer? Cost the same, right? $100,000 house, $100,000 house, right? How important is the foundation? When we interact with our spouses, we, it should be from the perspective of Jesus. Our kids' perspective of Jesus. Each other perspective of Jesus. The world out there from the perspective of Jesus. We are supposed to be people who are so consumed with Jesus that Jesus is the only thing that ever is exposed outside of us. Now, we're fallen individuals, and we make mistakes. That's where the, the part of us that is being sanctified is being worked out. But who actively, especially after reading a passage of Scripture like this, who actively says... I think I'll build my house on the sand. Every decision we make, everything we say, everything that we do will determine the strength of anything that we build based on that foundation. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your kids. Pray with each other. Pray for each other. Be active when it comes to this Christian life as far as being ready. Don't just go out there and throw your pearls before swine, but look for the opportunities. And when God presents one to you, take advantage of it. This is his work that he's called us alongside him to help with. It's not our work that we hope to occasionally lasso him into. It's his work. Let him do it. Let him do it through you. Let him do it through other people through you. Let him do it however he wants to do it. Because I can promise you that it will be multiple times better than what you have now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Everything. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit moves you if he tells you to come up here that you need to be saved. I'm just asking you to be obedient to him. Don't come up here because I asked you to. I can't save you. Um, if he tugs on your heartstrings, though, and you come talk to me, I can certainly more clearly introduce you to you, the one who can save you. Believer, this is life. It's just a matter of choosing how we want it. You want it your way? You've probably tried it that way before. You know what the potential for the outcome of that is. Or do you want it God's way? And wanting it God's way doesn't just apply to other people. Wanting it God's way applies to us as individuals. 
Side note, soapbox. Told you a while ago, people are, for the most part, are good to people if they're good to them. You think it's any different in a marriage relationship? Or any different in a relationship between just church members? We're good to each other. If, if I'm good to my spouse, she's good to me, generally speaking. I can ask nothing more for those of you who are Christians than for you to just check your foundation. Check your foundation. Thanks for listening. For more information about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We look forward to hearing from you. As always, have a blessed week. The Highland Southern Baptist Podcast is produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.